uh, yeah, I like to call my message the purpose for Christmas and taking it from Jesus' own words in John 18. So I'd like Al if you would come up to us, Al, and read to us from John 18, please. Thank you. Let us read from John chapter 18, verses 28 through to 40. Early in the morning, Jesus was taken from Caiaphas' house to the governor's palace. The Jewish authorities did not go inside the palace for they wanted to keep themselves ritually clean in order to be able to eat the Passover meal. So Pilate went outside to them and asked, What do you accuse this man of? Their answer was, We would not have brought him to you if he had not committed a crime. Pilate said to them, Then you yourselves take him and try him according to your own law. They replied, We are not allowed to put anyone to death. This happened in order to make the words of Jesus come true, the words he used to indicate the kind of death he would die. Pilate went back into the palace and called Jesus. Are you the king of the Jews? he asked him. Jesus answered, Does this question come from you, or have others told you about me? Pilate replied, Do you think I am a Jew? It was your own people and the chief priest who handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus said, My kingdom does not belong to this world. If my kingdom belonged to this world, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish authorities. No, my kingdom does not belong here. So Pilate asked him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. I was born and came into the world for this one purpose, to speak about the truth. Whoever belongs to the truth listens to me. And what is truth? Pilate asked. Then Pilate went back outside to the people and said to them, I cannot find any reason to condemn him. But according to the custom you have, I always set free a prisoner for you during the Passover. Do you want me to set free for you the king of the Jews? They answered him with a shout, No, not him. We want Barabbas. Barabbas was a bandit. Shall we pray? Our Father, this is not a narrative for Christmas, this is a narrative for the crucifixion. And yet, it harks back on, on Christmas, it harks back to the baby in the manger. For this purpose I was born, for this reason I came into the world, that I may bear testimony to the truth. Lord, thank you for these glorious words which we shall look into now. Thank you for the meaning of Christmas, the purpose for which you sent your Son. Lord, we have heard the story many, many times and it would have been easy for us this morning to just let it gloss by. 
Father, may your Holy Spirit awake us to the reality of the words of Jesus. And may we, some, may we find something here that would apply deep into our lives. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we've got this story read out to us this morning. But in order for us to make any sense, we've got to understand the context. It's very important, the context of this particular story. And the context is this. Jesus is at this stage in his life only a few hours from his own death. You've got to remember that. Jesus is only a few hours away from dying. And he says a few words. People could say all sorts of things in their lives. But when someone knows that he or she is just a few hours away from death, and they don't fool around with words, they begin to sober up. They begin to speak in measured terms. You can imagine that. If you knew that you were going to die in two days' time, every single word of yours would be very measured. So you've got to understand the context. Jesus is going to say a few words, and because he's omniscient, he knows that in a few hours' time, he's going to die. So that's the context. Now, the theme that is painted for us in this Gospel is Jesus and Pilate, both in the same room in the Roman Praetorium. And Pilate is trying to get something out of Jesus that would give him sufficient reason, legitimate reason, to send him to death. So he's trying to pry that out of Jesus, trying to yank that out of Jesus. Anything he could get that would give him legitimate reason to put him to death. So Pilate asks Jesus point blank, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus turns around to Pilate and instead of answering his question, he begins to interrogate Pilate. Now you don't do that to a judge <laughs> who stands in front of you and in whose hand your life hangs. But Jesus is very bold because Jesus knows that his life does not hang on Pilate's hand. Remember that? He says, you have no power against me which has not been given to you from above. So Jesus knew all along that his life does not dangle in the hands of Pilate, even though in human terms that might seem to be so. So he talks back to the judge, and he talks back to the judge in a very bold way. But he said something which we must not gloss over too quickly. He says to Pilate, are you saying this as a result of mulling this over in your own hearts when you ask me, are you the king of the Jews? Are you asking this question from the depths of your heart? Is this a, a question of hunger? Is this a question that comes from a desire to search for the truth? Or is it something that everyone is asking in the marketplace here this morning? Even with Pilate, Jesus wanted to know if his verbal curiosity comes from his heart and not from his lips. So in essence, what he's asking Pilate is this. Is, is this coming from your heart? Do you have a soul thirst for the truth? Is truth ultimately important to you? Do you have a genuine desire to know who I am? Or are you simply mouthing what others have been saying here the whole week? So 
So this is what he asks Pilate. Now to Jesus this is crucial. This is crucial because of verse 37. Look at verse 37. Everyone who is, now the three words there are terribly important, of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you of the truth? Or truth doesn't matter too much to you. We're all victims of our own culture and I think of you young people here especially. You haven't been brought up strongly grounded in the culture that tells you the truth is everything. That you must even be prepared to die for the truth. We live in a culture where truth speaking is not all that important. But you will know that you are of the truth if truth matters a lot for you. You will know that you're a man and a woman who is of the truth if even at your own expense, you will tell the truth. Even when you know that by telling the truth, you will be brought to great grief. You will still tell the truth. If you're a person like that, who will resolutely not lie, you're a person of the truth. And Jesus says of such person that they will know the truth. So here, what Jesus is saying is that if you're passionate enough for the truth, you will get to hear the truth and you will recognize it when you hear it. See, our Lord may be asking Pilate this question, but I believe that our Lord knows whether Pilate is of the truth or not of the truth. And I think our Lord knows at this point in time that Pilate is not of the truth. How do we know? Because in the very next breath, Pilate says in a contemptuous manner, I'm not a Jew, am I? Take a look at me. Do I look like a Jew? I'm not a Jew, am I? I have no stake in this at all. It doesn't matter to you who I think of Jesus, should it? It shouldn't matter even to me who I think of Jesus. That's his response. That's Pilate's response. When he says, I'm not a Jew, he's saying, I don't have any stake in this. It doesn't matter who you really are. I don't really need to know. Now, does that not sound familiar in our own day and age when you witness to someone, you quite often hear, well, Jesus may mean a lot to you, but why should I abide by biblical standards of right and wrong and morality? You know, he may be your Lord, that's fine, but he's not my Lord. I've got nothing to do with him. Why should I, why should I need to, to heed what you say? So, that in essence is Pilate's response. Now, Jesus' retort back is very, very significant because in Jesus' next reply, he reveals three things. He proclaims his kingship, he reveals his mission, and he offers Pilate a personal invitation to come to know the truth. So firstly, he proclaims his kingship. He says that he has a kingdom. Now, this must cause Pilate great agitation to know that another person has the kingdom in his mind because this is all political but Jesus says it's not political it's not physical he says if it were my servants would fight against me from uh, against you from being from my arrest but Pilate doesn't understand any of this this just flies over Pilate's head he does not understand that ultimately the conflict in this world is not physical it's not political. Pilate doesn't understand that ultimately all the conflict in this world is spiritual. 
really. Perhaps Pilate was taken aback. And so he says, So you are the king, aren't you? Now, Jesus' reply is very significant. Jesus says, You say that I'm the king. For this I was born. And for this I came into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth will hear my voice. Now, what's happening here is this. As soon as he says, as soon as he says that I have a kingdom here, he begins to say, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. He reveals his mission for us right here. This is the purpose of Christmas. In two, three days' time we're going to celebrate Christmas. And Jesus is saying, this is the reason for why I came into the world. This is the reason for why I was born. And what's the reason? To bear witness to the truth. He tells us why he was born. He comes to bear witness. And who better qualified to bear witness to God's truth than the one who bears in himself the very image of God himself. The very reflection of God is found in this one man. But before I walk you through his mission, there's something we need to take careful attention of, and that is this. Why does he say it two times? For this reason I was born, for this reason I came into the world. It occurred to me this week that it's loaded with huge significance there. When he says, for this reason I was born, he's talking about his humanity. That was born from the womb of a woman. That's why I use the word born. For this reason I was born. And then he says, for this reason I came into the world. To come into the world, we must have come from somewhere. You and I were just born. We weren't anywhere before then. Our first time into the world was that time when our mother gave birth to us. But here Jesus could say, for this reason I was born. Yes my humanity and for this reason I came into the world my divinity I was here before not that spooky it's scary here's a little baby in Bethlehem who looks in every way a baby a helpless baby this baby is really a very old man and that's strange Jesus is talking about his pre-existence really that he pre-existed before Bethlehem your most natural question would be, well, if he had been here before, from where then has he come? John 17 gives us the best answer. Verse 5. Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world began. He was with the Father, not in a bodily form necessarily, but he was with the Father before the world began. Now the same with John 1. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. He was with God in the very beginning. The Greek word there is archaic. Ages past. Ancient of days. He was already there. Before creation came to be, Christ was there. 
before the first animal was ever created, before the first plant was ever created, Jesus was there. In fact, Jesus was the creator as part of the Godhead. Without him was not anything made that was made. Things came to be as a result of God saying, let there be light, and there was light. So it was Jesus himself who was the creator who brought all of these things to be. Even before the great Roman Empire ever existed, Jesus existed. Remember he said, before Abraham was, I am. I was already there. And that's why they took up stones to stone him. Because that is a fit punishment for someone who blasphemes God. And by claiming to be God, he's blaspheming God. And every Jew worth his salt, standing there that afternoon, knew that here is a man who claims to be God himself. Pre-existing God was there. Fascinating. We may have a cuddly little baby in a manger, but really, he's a very old person. We mostly think of the virgin birth as a miracle, and of course we should. It is a miracle. But we forget that surrounding the virgin birth is a far, far greater miracle. That this latest little baby in a manger existed from of old, from ancient of days. I just thought I should make that point because it's a very important point. For this reason I was born and for this reason I came into the world. Back to our point, Jesus says very clearly that the mission is to reveal the truth of God. Now, I'm not sure whether your heckles are up yet at this point in the sermon, but for people today, <laughs> that word truth, uh, it grates in their hearts, it grates in their minds. It's a loaded word. So when Jesus says, I came to bear testimony to the truth, he's on collision course. Immediately he's on collision course with the thinking of the world today. All this talk about truth, you all, even if you have not read that book, you've all heard the title of that book, The Closing of the American Mind. Uh, Bloom, first name, forget now. The mind of the average American. <laughs> like, no reflection to you. It speaks to all of us in the world, in the Western world, all of us. Our minds have been closed to the question of truth, really. Truth is, the concept of truth is a bitter pill to swallow. Today. We live in a time when this common sense view of the truth is widely challenged and rejected. You, talk, you try to talk about the truth, the truth, the truth, and people will think that you're from another planet. Because nobody talks about truth, nobody talks about truth like that anymore. People today believe that truth is a power play. It's a meta-narrative constructed by a special group of elite in order to uh, have control over those who are ignorant about the truth. So people today will, will tell you that truth is subjective, not objective. It is not absolute. It is a matter of individual preference. Truth is relative to persons, they will tell you. And they will tell you that for a statement to be true, it does not need to correspond with reality. All that is needed is for a few people to hold that it is true, it would be deemed as true. So, 
People are very fond today of saying, you have your truth and I have my truth. But I grew up at a time in my early years, at least, we didn't hear such talk. You have your truth, I have my truth. All truth is absolute truth. But that's not what fits well with people these days. They believe that every piece of truth is equally valid as long as they are sincerely believed. Others still believe that truth is a collective judgment of, uh, it's a product of uh, cultural consciousness. And so this culture has their own truth and this other culture has their own truth. There isn't a universal absolute truth. And still others just couldn't care less about the whole matter of truth. So it's not surprising, not surprising at all that as we approach the end of our age, the battle is all about truth. The Bible actually predicted that. You don't have to turn to it right now, but if you are taking notes, Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 10 to 12, the Bible actually predicts that in the last days, the core issue will be that of truth or falsehood. The battlefield will be found in the mind. The Bible predicts that. But people who deny the existence of objective truth often do not realize that their position is flawed right from the very start because you can't say that there is no truth and at the same time purport that to be a statement of truth. So it's self-defined really. Uh, yeah. But relativism is also unbiblical because Jesus says, for this reason I have come to bear witness. And he should know because he's the image of the living God. And he says, there is such a thing as truth, and I have come to bear witness to that. Jesus claims to be the very embodiment of truth. He says, I am the way, the life, and the truth. He claims to be the very embodiment of truth. That's Jesus. The Father is said to be the God of truth. Psalms 31.5 And the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. John 14.17 and God tells us that he cannot lie. He's so committed to the truth, he will not lie. He cannot lie. I, the Lord, speak the truth, Isaiah 54, 19. You know something that stands in stark contrast to the devil? The commitment of truth by God, the commitment to always speak the truth by God, the commitment to be truthful, by God stands in stark contrast to the devil. This is what Jesus says of the devil. He's a murderer from the beginning, holding, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue. I like that very much. When the devil lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he's a liar and the father of lies. John chapter 8 verse 44 and 45. You want to know where the truth is. You look to Jesus. You will always be right. You can't go wrong. You never go wrong. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The truth. What truth? What truth is Jesus about when he says, I'm the truth? What truth is he about? He's about the truth about God, the truth about the depravity of the human situation, 
He has the truth about sin, about judgment, about love, about holiness, about life, about death, virtually about everything. This is why if we are committed to spending time with God, we are in the safest place. In this world of great confusion all around us, everyone is confused. If only you would stay by God and stay with Him, you can't go wrong. Because He who is of the truth will speak to those who are of the truth, revealing the truth to people. There was a very bright intellectual who for many years, whenever he reached a crisis in his life, would go to, of all places, Ireland, Ireland, and to speak to, all, of all people, a very old woman. The last time he saw her, she was well into her 80s. But every time, he's an intellectual, he's a scholarly intellectual, and yet every time he reached a crisis in his life and needed direction, needed guidance, he would always go to Ireland into the home of this little old woman. And as I said, the last time he saw her, she was well into her 90s. He went to her because of all people, he knew that she knew stuff about God. How does she know? She spent her time waiting on God. Even though she never read a newspaper, never listened to the radio, never read a magazine, never watched Telly, she could always tell what God was doing in the world. How could she tell? She spent time seeking God and God talked to her many things about the world and could give him guidance. See, if you want to seek for the truth, seek out truthful people who are true to God and they will help you discern the truth. When you know Jesus, you know the truth. Jesus is a king whose scepter is truth. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus is the king whose scepter is truth. Christmas tells us that there is such a thing as truth. It comes from God, and because it comes from God, it is absolute, it is unchanging, it is binding. Now, this is the question. Why reveals truth to us? What does truth do for us? Why would we need the truth? Why does Jesus come to bear witness to the truth? What would truth do for us? He comes to reveal the truth to us, not to tickle our intellectual curiosity, not to satisfy our curiosity. He comes to reveal the truth to us so that you and I may have eternal life. That's the reason for why he comes to tell us the truth. So that you and I may be granted eternal life. Remember once he told his disciples, this is eternal life. To know you, the only true God. You've come across that phrase? This is eternal life. To know you, the only true God. John actually affirms this whole thing to us with great clarity. God sent the world, the, the Son into the world, not to condemn the world, but so that the world through him might be saved. That's the reason for Christmas. So that we may know, so that we may know the truth, and so that the truth may save us. Let me put it this way. You could say, God sent Jesus into the world to testify to his truth for the purpose of granting us eternal life. If only Pilate knew. He didn't. 
He didn't know. But if only Pilate knew. If only Pilate knew that for thousands of years after his death, people would still talk about him. But in ways he never thought people would talk about him about. If Pilate only knew who it was who was standing in front of him, he wouldn't say what he said. If Pilate only knew that before him stood the king of all creation, if Pilate only knew that he was judging the one who will come to judge the living and the dead. Did you hear that? If Pilate only knew that he was standing judge over someone who will come one day to judge the living and the dead, he would have judged this man very differently. Many people have said Jesus before Pilate. I would say Pilate before Jesus. Let me put it in another way in case that was confusing for some reason. It is not Jesus being judged by Pilate, really. In this whole scenario, it is Pilate being judged by Jesus. Jesus isn't standing to be judged. Pilate is actually standing to be judged. If he were discerning enough, he would have heard the voice of Jesus pleading out to him. Now you take this away and think about this, if, to see if you think of uh, the very last verse that we have read. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. A lot of preachers have said that in these words, Jesus was actually calling out to Pilate to believe, pleading with Pilate almost. That Jesus saying to Pilate, Pilate, you too can know the truth. If you will only listen, if you would only stop and not judge but discern, you would know who I am and you would come to the truth. But Jesus is kind of a pleading with Pilate. Did Pilate hear that plea? Very sadly, no. Pilate, like a true 20th century person, is cynical about truth. For him, truth is almost non-existent. He's so cynical that he asks Jesus what is truth and he turns around without waiting for an answer. Almost very rude. Now many scholars have picked this up and I wonder whether when Al read that passage to us this morning, whether you picked it up, that as soon as he asked what is truth, he immediately walked out. He never waited for an answer. Perhaps Jesus was about to say something, but it fell by the wayside. He didn't stop to listen. It's as if when he said, what is the truth, he said, whatever. In a modern attitude. The word tells us that as soon as he asks that question, he turns and walks away. He did not understand the depth of divine truth that is standing just, what, 6, 12 inches, 24 inches in front of him. This one man came so close to seeing the truth. And he let it all slip through his fingers. But he was more concerned with his political career. All he's interested in is that this man be proven not a political figure. That is enough for him. So it's for political expedience that he made that judgment. He knew in his heart this man was innocent. And yet he sentenced him to death for political reasons. And so he asked for a basin of water. Now this is of great significance. He asked for a basin of water 
to be brought to him and he washed his hands and all the time that he was washing his hands he must have kept muttering to himself I hate doing this but a man has got to live a man has got to live and so having wiped his hands dry he proceeded to pass judgment of death on this innocent man very tragic he came so close to making something out of his life but he blew it like, and like Judas he came to a very bad end secular history tells us that about 36 AD now listen to this, this is very interesting how did Pilate come to a very bad end? secular history tells us that at about AD 36 the governor of Syria brought very serious accusations against Pilate and as a result he was banished to Vienna in Gaul and there in the south of France according to tradition Pontius Pilate committed suicide but it gets more interesting now listen to this there's a legend there's a legend that in Mount Pilates in Switzerland which got its name from Pilate at the foot of the Swiss mountain over the waters, the vast expanse of waters of the lake Lucene there can often be seen on moonlit nights the ghost of Pilate forever roaming around the edges of the water forever mourning and forever washing his hands forever washing his hands now Pilate may have washed his hands in a basin of water but it is as if no amount of water it is as if no amount of water is sufficient to wash away the stain of one who came face to face with the Son of God and rejects him outright the truth was presented to him but he chose to reject the truth incarnate today you are standing in front of Jesus as I speak and he's asking you to respond you know something, Jesus, when he addresses anyone at all, doesn't address the mind so much as the will. Always, whenever Jesus addresses a person, he addresses the will of the person, the volition of the person. He always says, will you or will you not? Notice that? When he says, will you not come to me? Will you not deny me? When he says, will you, he's addressing the will. So where is your will this morning? We must not miss out on the last line of verse 37. Everyone that is of the truth hears his voice. The question is, are you of the truth? As you examine your own heart this morning. Because if you are of the truth, you will not just hear, because that Greek word there, hear, is more than just hearing. It is to listen intently with a will to do something about what you have listened how will you respond to the truth of the proclamation of Jesus that he's come to bear witness to the truth will you submit will you humble yourself and say Lord I've not taken your truth seriously I know you are true I know the Bible is true but I haven't taken all this seriously enough and it's not been for my health, for me. Help me. Give me enough grace to have such a desire for the truth 
that I will desire to pursue after the truth of God. And I pray that this will be your desire this Christmas. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you for the clear proclamation of Jesus when he says, For this reason I have come to the world. For this reason I was born. That I may bear testimony to the truth. Father, the truth stands before us as it stood before Pilate. How tragic it was that he came so close and yet he missed out. And if that tradition is right, it's a haunting story of, of someone who is just wandering around the same place, just forever washing his hands. Because he knows he has betrayed the Son of God, like Judas. Lord, may we not come to that very bad end. May we come to the light. May we be humble enough to bow before the light and to submit ourselves to the truth. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for giving him to us as a child. But thank you for reminding us that way before he became a child, he was from ancient days. Before Abraham was, he is. Thank you that we worship such an eternal God, sovereign. Knowing the end from the beginning, and therefore knowing what is good for us, if we would only seek you. So give us a hunger for the truth, we pray, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.